dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. The Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Join us in the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com slash bonesandbobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group. Hello, Morbid Makers! I am your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, marvelously misanthropic host. And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 3, Episode 10, The Tower in the Woods, The Brattleboro Retreat Tower. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. Natalie is off being a damn superhero for her offspring this week, so I'm here to give you a bit of moving to Vermont update and to tell you about the Retreat Tower at the Brattleboro Retreat, founded in 1831 as the Vermont Asylum for the Insane, a Victorian mental health facility that's a huge part of the town I now call home. Given its age and the number of people who have passed through its doors, it probably won't surprise you that many parts of the retreat are rumored to be haunted. It also won't surprise you that, in my rambling, I encountered an actual hidden old graveyard in the woods. Which is probably technically a cemetery, but whatever, you know. Before I start, I'd like to give you a bit of a content warning. This episode mentions health facilities, mental health facilities, and suicide. If those subjects aren't things you'd like to hear about, skip this week's episode and we'll talk again next time. I would also like to take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members on Patreon. Thank you very much. You are our favorites and we love you. And obviously, we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods with you. And now that's a really real statement since I know where one is. All right. So, let's talk about the retreat. On Tuesday, Jeremy, my husband, tricked me into climbing a goddamn mountain before breakfast. Yeah, that's right. I live where those are. The mountains, that is. So, lured by the promise of a Victorian cemetery in the woods, I dragged myself out of bed during non-vampire hours. Turns out that what had been framed as a nice morning walk on the trails near our house was actually literal hiking through the woods. Did I mention that I got out of bed in the actual morning for this? Yeah. As you can imagine, my inner indoor cat bristled as I ducked under the overgrown tree limbs on our path. But at least I had been promised a cemetery, or a graveyard, 
I don't think there was ever a chapel there, but there's definitely one million quaint New England churches within a stone's throw. Probably literally, actually, so who knows. But then, just as I was gesturing around at all of the nature and turning to my husband to demand that he explain himself, I saw it. Hark! An abandoned Victorian building in the middle of the woods! Which I initially thought was an abandoned church, but upon looking at the buildings listed on the Natural Register of Historic Places for the Brattleboro Retreat, um, it seems to have been the 1885 Spring House, which covered a water reservoir. And while that was mildly disappointing in the moment, it's probably for the best since that building didn't have any windows or doors. And that's just too fucking creepy for a mystery forest chapel. I don't know. I don't think that would be fine. So beyond that somewhat concerning middle-of-nowhere building was a small overgrown cemetery where some of the patients of the Brattleboro Retreat were laid to rest until the early 1900s. In the morning light, it was peaceful and felt quiet and calm. I wandered around for a while, reading inscriptions on stones and greeting and thanking those whose stones I photographed for future research. The cemetery isn't exactly well-maintained, but it is regularly mowed and is cared for in a way that seems respectful. There are, as with any disused cemetery, rumors of ghosts, but I didn't notice anything more than a sense of curiosity. Perhaps sometime in the future, I'll research some of the tales associated with the cemetery. I thought the cemetery had been the end goal, but no. Absolutely not. Next came a short but steep hike up a glacial mountain path leading to, what else? A giant fucking freestanding tower, as you do. The retreat tower was built by patients in 1877 and is a 65-foot tall site to behold. It was constructed with blocks of granite from local quarries and is dotted with streaks of partial rows where the uh, blocks of granite are interrupted by bright white quartz, which makes it a bit sparkly in the light. And honestly, it's both very lovely and seemingly kind of troubled. Now, before I jump into the darker parts of its history, it makes sense to tell you a bit more about the Brattleboro Retreat itself, although I might go into more detail on a future episode. Um, an overview is definitely helpful to understand the context of the Retreat Tower and why it's there. As I mentioned, it was founded in 1834, making it the first mental health facility in Vermont and one of the first 10 private psychiatric hospitals in the US. Though the mention of Victorian asylums often brings to mind suffering, abuse, and neglect, the retreat modeled itself on the York Retreat in England, and there was an emphasis on what was called, quote, moral treatment, which was a Quaker approach to treating mental health issues as diseases rather than as a failing of the person's character or a reflection of their sins. And 
that was then and still remains the retreat's approach to mental health care. In Victorian times, this moral treatment would have been rooted in fresh air, exercise, fresh food, and educational and intellectual pursuits. The retreat had a farm and kitchen where patients could pitch in to feel a sense of meaningful accomplishment. As time continued, there would be a patient-produced newspaper, which I believe was the first of its kind, a bowling alley, a chapel, though not that building in the woods, a theater, a gymnasium, sports field, a chorus, book groups, clubs for outings, and a swimming pool, and more. At the time, and still today, members of a local community join the retreat and the retreat farm for events. Specifically, my sister-in-law really wants us to go there to do goat yoga on the farm this summer. So, um, obviously, I intend to go because goat yoga. Anyway, in short, from what I've read, the retreat seems to have largely avoided many of the horrors that were rampant at other mental health facilities at the time, providing adequate rooms to avoid overcrowding, appropriate staff, and overall dignity of treatment. It still has a good reputation today, and actually I'm personally on the waiting list for its outpatient clinic since I'm transferring meds and care from New York to my new home in Vermont, and it seems like a good place to go. So uh, we'll report back, I suppose. So this brings us back to me earlier this week, standing at a base of a tower, panting and asking it why I am so ridiculously out of shape. To commemorate the retreat's first 50 years, then Superintendent Dr. Joseph Draper began construction on the Gothic Tower itself in 1877, and it was a project undertaken by retreat staff and patients themselves. It took seven years to complete. It seems as though they took a five-year break in the middle and then resumed when Dr. Draper died and they wanted to commemorate him by finishing the project, and it was intended to be a symbol of courage and hope and a peaceful place for patients to enjoy the view of the surrounding scenery, which is very, very lovely. The Friends of the Brattleboro Retreat Tower have put together a lovely introduction to the structure, and I'll link the video in the show notes so you can see how it looks from the outside, the inside, and so you can see the view from the top. Unfortunately, due to safety and vandalism concerns, the tower is no longer open to the public, Though, through my research, through local newspapers, I did find that at least into the early 2000s, the retreat would open the tower periodically to the public for viewing the landscape and the changing colors for the season. I don't know whether or not this will resume in the wake of the pandemic, but I really hope so because I really, really, really want to go inside. As you might have guessed, here's where things get a bit dark, and the sources get a little bit fast and loose with the truth. There are plenty of stories bouncing around the darker parts of the internet about hauntings at the tower, and specifically about ghosts of patients who leapt from the tower to their deaths. Which, of course there are. It's a Victorian tower at a mental health facility. 
in the middle of the woods. The ghost stories kind of write themselves. And while it seems clear that a number of people did complete suicide or die from overdoses around the base of the tower, I wasn't able to find any publicly confirmed records of how many and when. Though I certainly do understand how such a setting might feel like a solution to someone who is already struggling. But as Reddit threads and ghost hunting sites would have me believe, many, many people have been claimed by the tower. But I've come across very few primary sources actually reporting on deaths there, though Arguably, since the Brattleboro Retreat is a private organization and patient confidentiality is likely to be respected, maybe those sources simply aren't out there to be found? On a relatively quick look through local newspaper archives at newspapers.com, a death of a woman in 1981, whose identity I'll keep private out of respect, was the most recent tragedy linked to a jump or fall by a patient from the tower. I'm not saying that other losses definitely haven't happened, just that the press coverage that I researched returned very little. Even so, there are persistent and widespread stories of people reporting sightings of a ghostly figure standing on top of the tower or even falling from it. And the tower, its neighboring cemetery, and the woods do make an excellent backdrop for a ghost story. But, alas, a terrible basis for corroborating sources. So that is the end of my quick look at one of my new local spooky spots. And because of the heavy subject... I would also like to take a moment to remind all the listeners about the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which can be reached by dialing 988. That's 988 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And now, in somewhat poor taste, we have arrived at the weekly worst way to die. And honestly, it probably goes without saying, but... Victorian Tower in the Woods. That would be my pick for this week. If you found this story to be interesting, and you want to be spooky internet friends, we're Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast, because it pleases the internet gremlins, and that's how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls can find us. And, on that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Lock your doors, and don't run with scissors. Alright, thanks everyone for hanging out with me on this solo episode, and Patreon members, you'll hear from us next week. And everyone else, we will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye.